This is the RBA Audio Podcast, Episode 1, where today we're going to preview the championship in the upcoming RBA weekend, as well as some early thoughts about the 2010 RBA season, our 10th. And uh, I'm going to start today on this uh, first foray into uh, creating an audio file here, a podcast, by uh, talking a little bit about the championship that's coming up. Um, as we well know, we've got Dunedin, third season in the league, the Clear Blues, going up against the Las Vegas Effect, the third season in the championship for the Effect. Um, of course, Dunedin dispatched Fort Duquesne in seven games on a thrilling home run by Mark DeRosa in game seven. The ninth inning with two outs turned that series on its head. Las Vegas had a thrilling win of its own, an extra inning win in game four of their series over Buffalo. And so Las Vegas comes into this riding a three-game winning streak. They did overcome a two-to-one series deficit to win four games to two. Dunedin, the wild card this season, they did win two more games than Las Vegas, but they are going to be on the road for games one, two, six, and seven, if necessary. They are um, 48 and 33, Las Vegas 46 and 35. Um, well, I thought that we'd uh, just kind of uh, break it down a little bit here. Um, on the podcast, I'd like to have, uh, for some people calling in as guests, see how it works, um, how the technology goes, and how, uh, you know, what the fan response is, so to speak. Um, so we'll kind of feel that out, but I'm, uh, I'm going it solo today, sending this dispatch out to you. We've got six days until RBA weekend opens on Friday, November 20th, of course. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to, uh, you know, give a little preview, stir up the pot a little bit, um, you know, brush the ashes with a poker, so to speak, get the embers glowing. And, uh, so what I'm going to do here, just kind of give you a little, uh, some things to watch. Those of you who are going to be at the championship, those of you who are going to be following along, um, now, of course, we're going to open the championship on Saturday around noon, which is going to be, you know, seven days from today. Um, and so Dunedin's going to come into this series, you know, they winning, winning a thrilling matchup, um, momentum riding high for both teams, of course. Dunedin's number one starter, Rich Harden, you'd think he would be the key to the series, but Rich Harden didn't win either of the games he started against Fort Duquesne, and and moreover, Dunedin didn't win any of either of the games, so you've got to think, can they overcome that again? Uh, would they be able to win this series without getting a win out of Harden? Um, the team with the dominant ace usually finds game one to be pivotal, but Dunedin did lose game one and uh, came back to win. Now, of course, Las Vegas is going to be countering with Dan Heron, a fine ace in his own right. But uh, I'm sure that Dunedin's going to put a lot of emphasis on that matchup. Um, Ryan Braun had a quiet first round. He is, of course, going to be the anchor of that offense. But Nick Markagas and Joey Votto, the left-handers around him, came up big in that series, as well as some role players like Mark DeRosa, who hit the series-winning home run, like Johnny Damon, who was moved down and caught fire near the end of the series. And uh, I think one of the big factors here is going to be the, the left-handed bats of Dunedin and the left-handed bats that can get on to first base, like uh, Carl Crawford, Ellsbury in a pinch-running role, Damon, who can run very fast as well. 
you've got to think Las Vegas not coming in here with the D in defense that uh, Fort Duquesne had and Mike Napoli, but with Kelly Shopik, with the backup Jeff Mathis both being C's, can they neutralize the Dunedin running attack that really took off starting in game three of the first round series and uh, led Dunedin to, to those four wins in the last five games? Um, so that's one thing to keep an eye on, see how that matchup plays out. Um, of course, Las Vegas' closer, Brian Fuentes, is left-handed. So you've got to think, how will Matt Cooper of Las Vegas use his lefty reliever, Feliciano, his lefty closer, Fuentes? A lot of left-handed power, left-handed on-base ability in that Dunedin lineup. So that's going to be a big matchup. Now, on the other side, Las Vegas' lineup, it, it tends to be very explosive. Las Vegas is going to have games when they score a lot of runs and games in which they don't. A uh, lot of power in the lineup with Chris Davis, Kelly Shopik, okay? also guys who strike out a lot, not the on-base percentage that maybe some championship teams have had. Um, so you've got kind of a feast or famine here, and, and that, you know, that's going to cause these games to turn. For Las Vegas, and that's what happened in the Buffalo series. They came out and they scored 10 runs in game one. They outscored Buffalo. Um, once they turned it on in game five, they started hitting the balls out of the ballpark, ran away to wins in games five and six. So can Las Vegas do that again? Can they find the home run stroke to run away with these games? Because they really only won one close game, and that was the extra inning game, unless you count the 10-8 to eight game in game one. Okay, so they really only won one low-scoring close game. Now, on the other side of that coin, Dunedin found themselves in the same role. Even though they have a great bullpen, and they will have the bullpen advantage in this series, the Dunedin Clear Blues did lose all three of games one, two, and five, which were all one or two run games. The games that they won, save game seven, okay, games three, four, and six, were all blowouts. Okay, they ran away with the game, didn't have to rely on their bullpen. So... Dunedin showed the propensity to win in blowouts. So, is it something where is it going to be a situation where Dunedin's bullpen can step up? Now, you got to think also about the history of these teams for a second. And of course, you know I'm going to be a steward of the history for the RBA. Um, you got to think the managing advantage. Matt Cooper has been to the fire, into the fire and back. He's been burned a few times. Okay, of course he's won two first round and three first round playoff series now with this season. Of course he's made three previous trips to the championship and come up short each time. Has he learned? Is there going to be a managerial advantage for Matt Cooper in this series? Having been there, having managed more RBA series, including first round series. But you got to think, Dunedin Definitely got a lot of experience in that seven-game series against Fort Duquesne. Well-managed on both sides. Came right down to the end. Is it enough? Is one series enough of experience to neutralize that? And then you've got to think, how frayed are the edges for Las Vegas? Is this their last chance in a couple of seasons? Not bringing back a good enough team, or a good as good a team as they have had in the last three seasons next year. Is this the end of the window? Okay, well, maybe. 
maybe we thought this this year was was going to be the last year, or, or you know, the past year that this year was going to be the first year that they didn't make it, that the window was closing. But they kept it open this year, of course, with the famous last third rally. So is this now the end of the window? Is this their last chance for the next two, three, four seasons to get that championship that they have been lacking? And for Dunedin, is it the beginning of a dynasty? Well, a lot of people have been talking about coming back next year. The Dunedin Clear Blues, one of the best teams in the league again. Nice set of keepers coming back. Good draft. Could this be the team? that wins back-to-back -back RBA championships for the first time since the 2002-2003 Elm Grove Cardinals. Has it really been six years since we had those back-to-back -back wins over Walla Walla and Adam? Well, this team is set up for it. If they can outlast Vegas, they are definitely bringing back a good team. And that's going to bring me to the other part of this, uh, this first podcast that I want to throw out there little bit of forecasting for this season and and you know the forecasts are a little bit difficult here as we're on the verge of going into the draft obviously without uh, you know without uh, seeing the draft picks without being able to compare that it's difficult to to uh, kind of predict what's gonna happen uh, you have a set of draft picks here you have strengths of draft you have strength of keeper sets um, but not necessarily you know, any kind of distinct knowledge of how one team is going to go with the draft, how another team is going to go with the draft. So, you know, a little bit of uncertainty in trying to predict the strength of a team for next season at this point. But, what we can talk about, a little bit of forecasting, we can discuss, you know, given a certain set of, uh, you know, criteria, given a kind of plan for a draft, how good are these teams going to look? And, and we can discuss that a little bit. Um, you know, having talked to Chad, having talked to Jeff, having talked to both Jeffs, get a little bit of a sense of what the teams are, are, are kind of molding themselves into and who might be the front runners. General consensus, Arizona is going to bring back a good squad, bouncing back from the 26-win team, um, rebuilding in a season. Um, coming back with a very good draft, of course, the trade for Brad Hopp, Kevin Correa, really sets the tone for this season, going after players for Arizona who are going to make an impact this year. You've got Elm Grove building themselves up also with the pre-draft trade. Both Arizona and Elm Grove coming into this with 12 players. Good, solid foundations. So you got to think Arizona and Elm Grove are going to be Two are the favorites to make the playoffs next year. Two teams that didn't make it this year, of course. Now, after that, you got to think, okay, well, Fort Duquesne, good set of keepers, you know, average set of draft picks. What can they do with those draft picks? Um, definitely they're going to challenge Arizona for that top spot in the Larkin division. Um, are they going to come out of the draft as the favorites? Well, it depends on... The strategies involved, it depends on how much Jeff Hobbs goes for this team because he has the draft picks to really put together a strong team for this season. Dunedin, of course, we talked about. They are going to battle Buffalo. Buffalo probably the best set of keepers in the league. And so the Wild Wings, are they going to put something together? They have probably the worst draft of anyone 
okay, the worst set of draft picks coming in. Do they move into this draft? Do they try to build up that team? So these are questions here, you know, you have to consider. You've got Arizona and Elm Grove both clearly going for this season, both with the possibility and, and the, uh, the tendency to jump after it, go and build up the team strong for this season. Now you got a lot of other teams who are kind of huddled around the campfire, so to speak. And you've got Dunedin and Buffalo there in the pocket. You've got Fort Duquesne. And you got Baltimore. Now, Baltimore contended for the division title last year, going to bring back another solid team. They could definitely, definitely challenge for that number one spot again. And it looks like, unless Las Vegas makes a couple of moves, it might either be Elm Grove or Baltimore in the Clemente. So, right now, my forecast has it, you know, with, with a couple of. You know, there are a couple of wild cards, you know, not, not meaning that in the strict sense, but there are a couple of, of unknowns in the process. But you've got Arizona and Ford Duquesne and Malarkin. You've got Dunedin and Buffalo in the pocket. You've got Elm Grove and Baltimore in the Clemente. Now, two teams who could shatter that perception, Orlando and Silver City. Both of these teams are coming out of the keeper process with a solid set of keepers. Silver City has a great offense. Orlando has two of the best starters in the league anchoring the rotation. They have pretty average drafts. As it looks right now, could be mediocre teams, but could get some players, could make a couple trades, could definitely be right there in the discussion. Um, I think the other teams are probably in a state of rebuilding. Las Vegas, you have to question, you know, where is this draft going to take them? Uh, the keeper set not as good as it has been in the past. Some players had some down years. Are they going to make some moves to try to contend? Are they going to try and back off and maybe rebuild the, you know, rebuild the stock at the same time as they try to to maybe make a move? So we'll see. You've got. SoCal, who owns the number one and number three overall picks, definitely in a rebuilding mode. State College has made uh, steps to think that they're going to be in a rebuilding mode. And Atlanta still trying to build up that roster, probably not going to make a contending team out of it this year. So you got to think, maybe six to eight teams, with the possibility of Las Vegas jumping in as the ninth, Okay. We're going to be competing, which means we're going to have another wide open season. Some teams who are the favorites, some, you know, more than others, but definitely anything could happen. So, I just want to throw this out here, give you some, some targets that I'm looking at right now. Of course, very preliminary targets. But some targets that you can think about as to how this season shapes up, in my mind, in terms of the possible projected wins for each of these teams. Treat this as an over-under, you might say, and think about where you would vote, where you would bet, if you if you are of that ilk, um, and I know most of you are. If you were to bet on one or the other, which way would you go? What would your projections look like at this point? So, here's what I'm thinking. In the Larkin division, the team with tw 12 set keepers right now, after the Hop and Korea trade, still has an extra third, two extra fourths, still has a first round pick at number eight, even after trading number one overall pick away. Arizona is set up to put together a very, very strong team this year. And I think that like the seventh season, like the eighth season, they should be set up to win about 50 games. Now, of course, in the eighth season, they won 56. 
like the seventh season, a 50-win team. I think Arizona can put that together, and I'm going to set 50 as the over-under for that squad just because of the strength of the draft and the overall foundation that they already have. Now, if Orlando and Fort Duquesne become a little stronger than I think, now that, that projection's going to drop a little bit because it's going to be very difficult to win 50 games in a division with two other good teams. Probably almost impossible. Yeah, but I'm, I'm going to set that number at 50. Now, Fort Duquesne, very strong set of keepers. Draft, yeah, pretty much in the middle of the pack. Um, they'll be drafting from the number nine spot. I'm going to set their over-under right now at 44. Now, Fort Duquesne could definitely better that. They get some picks to go their way. They make a trade to get into this draft. You know, you never know, or, or some players. Um, but also, they're again, they're going to be playing a very competitive division. Orlando could again be there. Arizona could be a very good team. So I'm going to put them with the rest of the contenders just behind Arizona at 44. Now, Orlando. Um, Orlando, they have a chance, really, to get into this draft, make a play, support Carpenter and Halliday, but as a median, I'm going to put their over-under at 40 wins. That means that they could be good, they could be mediocre. Like last year, they, they brought a good team, ended up underachieving a little bit. Could be that they bring an, a, an average team and overachieve a little bit. Could bring another good team and find better luck. And Atlanta, playing in that division, I'm going to put their over-under at 34. So that's a little bit of a, a kind of a <clears throat> preview of the Larkin division there. Um, over in the Pocket division, I think we're going to have a two-horse race here between Buffalo and Dunedin. So let's go ahead and say that both of them are going to be projected at 45 wins. I think both have some question marks. Buffalo has... The, the downside of not having a pick until the end of the fifth round. Now, do they move into it? Do they acquire some players? Do they take this set of keepers, which is probably the strongest in the league, and support it a little bit? If not, if they just stick where they are, the team's going to be unbalanced. And that's not to say that an unbalanced team can't make the playoffs. But that 45 that I'm putting out there, basically, that's going to reflect the fact that they could have an average team if they don't make any moves, they make a couple of moves, they could easily be a 48-49-50 win. Dunedin, again, I'm going to put them at 45 as well. Battling with Buffalo, Silver City will be a good team. It's going to be difficult for them to put up pretty much any more than 47 or 48, but definitely would be a very good team again. Silver City, right with Orlando. Let's, let's go with 40 wins for Silver City. Again, just like Orlando, they could make a couple of moves, get it into the mid-40s, they could also, you know, have a little bit of bad luck going to the mediocre range. State College, definitely not the set of keepers they wanted, made a move already to, to rebuild. Let's put their over-under at 33. So State College will say 33 wins. All right. Now, over in the, the Clemente division, this one seems to be the weakest. Um, we'll have to see how it shakes out, of course. Um, now, I'm trying to make sure that these all kind of even out, um, you know, the win totals. Elm Grove traded into this draft, of course, with the two fifth-round picks. They got their fifth starter. They got their center fielder. They answered some, some question marks there. Definitely the propensity to make a couple more moves. 
Let's give them 44. We'll put them just off of Buffalo and Dunedin. But you have to remember also, Elm Grove probably will be playing in the weakest division, now, other than Baltimore. Baltimore, powerful set of keepers, full outfield. You got Adam Dunn, who can play first or outfield. Three good starters at the front of the rotation. Their draft, pretty much middle of the road as well. So we've got to put them in, in the crop of, of contenders, and we're going to do that with a 43-win projection for Baltimore. So that shows you the top, the top six teams there, pretty much as I have it projected. After that, Las Vegas um, you know, could go either way. They make a move. Maybe they can kind of do something like they did last year on a smaller scale. You know, make a couple of moves to get into the to get into the contending circle, and you never know what could happen. Could could be a f lower 40 win team. They could rebuild and go back into the 30s. Let's set them at 36 to give us a uh, an estimate there of which way they could go and, and kind of cover that. Now SoCal is already you know just taking over, rebuilding the team. Probably going to struggle this year. Probably not going to be drafting a lot of resources for this season. Let's set SoCal up at 33 wins like State College. So we'll give that for the rebuilding teams. I don't think that there will be any really terrible teams such as Arizona last year, such as the abysmal, god-awful Orlando team of two seasons ago, which may never be talked. Um, but, I mean, I think these rebuilding teams are going to have some pieces to work with unless a lot of trades get made. So, you know, I'm thinking low 30s, low to mid 30s is where we're looking. This may be the first season where we don't have, uh, in a while, where we haven't had a 20-something a win team in the league. I think top to bottom we're going to have a lot more parity. I think that you know, the 50-win plateau, you know, depending on, you know, I think Arizona obviously the only one that I picked to get close to there, may not be reached this season. And, um, you know, that kind of thing hasn't happened too much you know, in the past. Um, but I think it's going to be an exciting season. And, and what I'd like to do, um, you know, maybe give a dispatch next weekend from the weekend. Um, I'd like to bring some people on to, to chat a little bit. Of course, I did this one solo. But uh, bring some people on, talk about some stuff, some history, some projections. Um, so we'll do that. Um, for now, until Friday or Saturday of RBA weekend um, and after, this is JR, the Commish, signing off on the RBA podcast.